Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. Just a quick shout out to The Wreck for hosting this podcast each week. The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. By the way, bring your family here and enjoy uh, some bowling. It's fun. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone. We hope that someone is you. I just want to say thank you again to all the listeners each week who take the time to hear the stories of our guests. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, and share this podcast with your friends, family, and on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out to the people and impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I'm excited and grateful to introduce you to my guest and friend, Terry Markey. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. It's going to be fun. I got lots of good questions for you. And uh, just to start out, you and I have been friends for what, three or four years? Is that kind of? I think we met through uh, Brothers of Valor when it first began. Okay. Uh, that's where I first met you um, and discovered that we had uh, some coincidental acquaintances. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Prineville, is that the one of them or is that? Uh, uh, Christmas Valley. Christmas uh, Valley. Yeah, with your uncle, I believe. Yeah, uncles, yeah. And cousins. cousins. And, yep. Yes, I uh, had no idea. I just, I knew the ba- last name. Yeah. And uh, that's how we made the connection. Yeah, yeah. So it's been at least three or four years, but well, it's been a joy to get to know you. Uh, you and I have had lots of breakfasts on a Friday morning and, and uh, I would call you my mentor, one of my mentors, you've influenced kind of uh, shaping me. Uh, you're a couple days older than me, so uh, <laughs> uh, you've been there, done that, and helping me to uh, navigate di- different parts of my life. So it's been good, and I'm grateful for that. Well, hey, let me do a quick introduction of you so people can kind of get to know who you are, and then we'll dive into some, some questions that I got for you and really discover who Terry is. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So here's what you say. You said, I've been a Christian since 1979, attended the same church for that period of time, graduated from Ichthus Bible College. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now Northwest College in Brooks, worked in the uh, insurance industry for over 40 years and credit unions for 20 years. Next year, you'll be married for 50 years. By the way, what's your wife's name? Etta. Etta. And she's from Germany. Berlin. So we're going to talk about how you met, but we'll get there in a moment. You're a Sunday school teacher for many years on church boards for also a number of years. You served in many camps working with foster kids for about 25 years. Director of a mentoring program for foster kids. First treasurer of Brothers of Valor mentoring. Uh, Currently working on a volunteer basis with Gospel Focus Ministries a branch of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, uh, as a mentor to youth and adults uh, on streets of Salem, teaching how to share our faith. And occasionally, you get a day off and get some work done at home, which your wife probably appreciates. Yes. Cool. Well, hey, let's dive in a little bit. I want to, like, uh, you and I do have a history, a longer history, even though we've only known each other for three or four years. But uh, walk, walk, walk me through, walk our audience through kind of who you are, where you grew up at, Christmas Valley, Prineville, and then, you know, how you, how you met your wife. So this is going to be a long journey, but, man, we want to hear it all. I was born in South Dakota, Hot Springs. Um, uh, my mother divorced when I was very young uh, and then remarried fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. 
went to uh, Rapid City, and uh, the stepfather was uh, in college at that time with School of Mines. Graduated, went to Denver, Colorado for six months. Went to uh, Northern California, a little place called Lewiston, uh, for about eight or ten months, as I recall. Back to Denver for six months. So how old are you now? At this point in the game, back to Denver, how old are you right now? Uh, about that time, I think I was in fifth grade. Okay. Some, 10, somewhere 12, in there. Yeah, like yeah, about 10 or 12. Uh, then we moved down to the San Luis Valley in Colorado, which is in the southwest corner. We were there for about three years. And then uh, my stepfather got a job with the Forest Service. And so he was transferred to uh, out to the Mount Hood Forest, which uh, at that time was close. We lived in Gresham. That's back when Gresham was just a little small place, not the fourth largest city like it is today. Wow. Lived there, went to high school. Um, so you graduated from Gresham High School? Uh, no, actually, I quit high school. Okay. And I was very fortunate to, and my family had moved in the meantime. I kind of left home when I was about six, about 17, I guess, 17, 18, somewhere yeah. in there. I uh, did finish high school, but I graduated uh, David Douglas High School, but was not able to walk with them because I went into the military. And so spent almost seven years in the military. Army? I was in the Army, yeah. yeah. Uh, took my training at Fort Lewis. Uh, was the soldier of the cycle. So I was the top soldier uh, when I went, went through my training. And then uh, they... Um, recruiting for ranger uh ranger training in airborne yeah and so i signed up for it it sounded like a great idea never been in a plane in my life but back in those days obviously a lot more ambition than intelligence <laughs> yeah, uh, that's typical of us guys I'm yeah sure. so got on a plane december flew to uh minneapolis st paul it uh, was winter there uh the thing that i remember the most is they were grading off the runways and the snow was higher than the snowplow and so it was uh interesting because when we left there went to fort benning georgia and the temperature was about 70 degrees and i was in my winter wool so getting off the plane it was a little bit hot a little warm was in uh, fort benning and georgia for about a month because I had a guarantee to go to Germany. So I ended up going to Germany, uh, not getting a chance to go through the airborne school and uh, ranger training. Uh, the other thing that happened that I didn't realize is I had uh, con uh, somehow gotten pleurisy, which is a, apparently some sort of a disease of the, young, of the lungs. I would wake up at night just coughing and couldn't stop. Hmm. Uh, Fortunately, when I got to Germany, and this was about February, it finally went away. And I didn't even know that uh, what it was or that I had it until I was getting ready to get out of the military when they give you a pretty thorough physical. And the doctor said, by the way, did you know that you had pleurisy? Well, I didn't even know what pleurisy was. <laughs> so that's how I discovered that. Uh, well, when I went to Germany, I... Unfortunately, it was in what was classified as the worst duty station in Europe. It was in Bamberg. The reason they classified it that was back in the 50s, uh, a couple of the 
soldiers had raped the mayor's daughter, so the town was not real happy with uh, Americans being there, especially the uh, the army base. And so that was kind of a challenge. While I was there, there were about three murders, all drug-related, because that was about the time, uh, early 70s, it was about the time when um, drugs were becoming a lot more prevalent in the military. We used to, uh, Monday mornings, they would have the dogs in sniffing around. Uh, good education on drugs. I think the third night that I was there, I was passing, I was walking down the hallway, and some guy uh, had overdosed on drugs. And I noticed that he was starting to kind of, his skin was starting to turn kind of purple. Looked like he was about ready to swallow his tongue. They were uh, trying to uh, administer first aid to the guy. And I remember as a young person looking at that thinking, man, if that's what drugs do, I ain't getting involved in that stuff. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Good call. So to this day, the smell of marijuana mixed with incense are two smells that I just cannot hardly handle okay because that's how they used to cover the smell of it in the barracks the battalion commander that we had left and a new one came in and the one thing that impressed me with this guy is he said uh, you're going to see me in places that you will never expect uh, a colonel to be and about two days later i was down in the track park there and uh, out from underneath this track on one of these mechanic mechanics things, rolls the lieutenant general. <laughs> well, of course, whenever an officer is close, you have to stop and salute. So I had to stop and salute. Great guy. But this guy, he was a total leader. So, And I was, uh, when I went in the military, for some reason, I was in leadership positions all the time. I was probably about the most irresponsible guy in the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the, law, the Lord saw fit, even before I knew who he was, to uh, kind of introduce me some other uh, areas of life, I guess. So that was one of them. I was always in leadership while I was in the military. Um, I really tried hard to get out of Bamberg because of, uh, the way it was. And so I actually went through with all of the paperwork to go to West Point. Unfortunately, I was about six days too old based upon their requirements. So that one went out the window. My company commander was uh, Cuban, and for some reason, he would not let me go uh, because we had a first sergeant that came in. He was from the 173rd Airborne Unit in Italy, and he had it all uh, arranged so that I could actually leave that unit and be attached to the airborne unit because that was one of the things that I wanted to do, obviously, not getting the opportunity to do that prior to, uh, back in Fort Benning. But the company commander wouldn't let me go. actually got to the point, this may sound very stupid, of uh, requesting to go to Vietnam. <laughs> That's how bad I wanted to get out of there. Wow. Uh Unfortunately, well, I should say, fortunately, Vietnam was uh, starting to come to an end, so that didn't work out. So after 19 months, they came around and asked if I wanted to uh, re-enlist. So I thought, okay, we just come from Berlin. So I thought, uh, you know, and what they what they told me is that they would give me a bonus, uh, and I could have the duty station of my choice, which sold me right there. And uh, one month leave. So I took all of them, and that's how I ended up in Berlin. That's how I ended up meeting my wife. Mm. I was not impressed with my wife the first time I met her. And she told me that uh, she admits also she had a cold at that time. 
But her boss happened to be my boss because uh, he had transferred over to one of the units. And so the unit I was in in uh, Berlin, and by the way, I went from the worst duty station in Europe to the best duty station in Europe. Uh, Berlin, you had to have a pretty high clearance, first of all, just to get in because it was uh, uh, behind the Iron Curtain, obviously. It was mm -hmm. surrounded by uh, East Germany at that time. And um, it was kind of nice because if you were wearing a uniform, you could ride on any of the city transportation free. So mm -hmm. as long as you had your uniform on, you could uh, get on the double-decker buses, you could get on the subways uh, and travel all over the city. Uh my boss kept trying to get my wife married, and so for some reason, <laughs> he had uh, invited a number of uh, folks to meet her. Well, he pestered me so much and invited me to dinner, and so I decided, okay, just to get him off my back, I'll just go over and get it over with, because I had a girlfriend already. Yeah. Anyway, that night, uh, I was pretty impressed with uh, her. First of all, I liked her accent. She was reading to his kids, you know, some stories, and I was listening to that, and I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, anyway, that's long story short. That's how we met. That's how we kind of got started. The girlfriend went away, and we ended up uh, getting married. So I've been to Germany a number of times. Actually, Germany, Austria. If I didn't live here, I'd definitely live over there. Yeah. Great, great country, great people, and we do have relatives over there now. So anyway, that's how I met my wife, and uh, next year we're going to be going back uh, for our 50th. No kidding. You guys got married in Germany then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Justice, justice of the peace. That's right. But we did get married church wedding because <laughs> Christian Center back in those days, the church that uh, we were attending uh, every year would have like a wedding for people uh, or a ceremony for people who wanted to remarry mm -hmm. in a Christian atmosphere, so we did that. That's so we've cool. been married twice, but to the yeah, same person. Same person. That's <laughs> right. I like it. Well, cool. That's This is good, man. I'm getting to learn. Even though I know you really well, Terry, uh, I love hearing history and really your journey of life. Okay. So I'm curious what the military taught you. I'm also curious what marriage has taught you and how do you live or how do you uh, remain married for, well, coming up on 50 years? What are some of those secrets that maybe the military and your upbringing taught you? Well, first of all, the military, uh, because I'm in leadership positions most of the time, and yeah. I was kind of steady. You know, I, the interesting thing is, is I was a very, I think I was a very naive person. That's what they called me when I was in, was the all-American kid. <laughs> Navity. I love it. Yeah. Ignorance. Just a real, it, it, it is bliss, right? It, 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 well, in fact, uh, you know, I remember... Being raised, you have certain mores in society, and uh, one of those is that uh, uh, you always placed women or girls you know, kind of on a pedestal. I was very shocked the first time I saw a couple of beautiful young ladies cussing like sailors. Uh, seriously, I was shocked. I couldn't believe that women could do such a thing. <laughs> uh and I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of got that that moniker. The other thing is, is when I was in, I've always dedicated myself uh, to what I do. And so I remember guys would say, why are you training so hard? And I would say, hey, right now, these aren't the real bullets. But when they are the real ones, I hope that uh, I'm ready. Hmm. 
because they, uh, they did a lot of things, obviously, in the military to train you. And so one of the things that I learned is that the human body can take a lot more than what we think. Because hmm. I can tell you there were times when I was just absolutely exhausted. Uh, unfortunately, we had another six or seven hours in front of us. And uh, in the military, your government issue. And we used to have a little saying, uh, they don't mind and we don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> or excuse me, it's all, yeah. we used to say it's all mind over matter. Mind they don't mind matter. and we don't matter. Uh, but the thing that it taught me was it really taught me discipline, which has been very, very valuable in my life. Uh, the other thing is, is I've always been very competitive and we used to have force marches when we were in, which really challenged your endurance. And the only guys I could not beat were the guys from West Point because they were well-trained. Everybody else, I could usually come in and be sitting there waiting for 20 minutes till the rest of the crowd finally filtered in. But uh, for some reason, the West Point people, they were, they were very, very well-trained. Hmm. And that's always kind of come back to me uh, in life whenever I feel exhausted. I don't want to complete this. I think, wait a second, man, I can remember the times when we were just exhausted and those guys just were like the ever ready bunny. They just kept on going. And so that kind of helped me understand that uh, in life, the mission is what's important and the completion of that. And so that's kind of where I got my stick to And Switching over to marriage, that is very valuable because obviously um, our marriage has been like anybody else's. We, we had, we've had our challenges, and actually uh, it was a challenge just to get married. Uh, the first thing that happened over in Germany after I proposed to my wife was we had to fill in paperwork because over there they wanted to make sure, obviously, that you weren't marrying someone from East Germany or an East German spy that had come over and mm -hmm. to infiltrate and so forth. So there was some pretty thorough paperwork that uh, uh, whoever you married uh, had to go through. And for some reason, they lost ours. Um, so we ended up, instead of getting married in three months, we ended up having to wait another six months. Well, in the meantime, my wife kind of got cold feet, and I think part of it was because of her relatives. Uh, and some influence. And so I just told her, I said, Hey, uh, you're it. I'm not giving up. So, you know, take your best shot. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Anyway, so things kind of worked out. So if I had anything to say, there's a lot of give and take in marriage. Uh, but the thing that I began to realize, uh, and I, I truly, it was because of Christianity. Um, it's, the thing that Don, there's a Christian artist named Don Francisco had a song. And in that song, he made this statement. He said, uh, he said, love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to stay married, it's going to be an act of your will somewhere yeah. along yeah. because you're going to have some challenges. Uh, the one thing that I've discovered is the enemy's favorite trick is division. Mm -hmm. And he will try to go for the weakest vessel. Uh, and that's something I think that uh, has kept my eyes open and helped me to understand that, hey, you don't make the judgments. Uh, thank you, Jesus. We do not have to be the judges. That's God's realm. And so for me, uh, because of the military, because of the tough times and those things, that has really helped me uh, to stay in the fight and recognize that, hey, the game's not over yet. 
That's one of the things I teach people on the streets. Until a person takes their last breath, I don't care how vicious and mean and nasty they are, they still have an opportunity. So that would be my advice in marriage. Yeah. Is stay the course. stick to and yes. uh, Yeah, you're right. Love is not an emotion. Hey, I feel like, because sometimes you're not going to feel like, you know, loving your wife the way you need to. Um, nobody does. But love is the action. You said the act of the, uh, of the will. It's an act of your will. Act yeah. of your will. Well, so how did, okay, so uh, Germany, uh, Christmas Valley, Pranville, Salem. Walk us through that journey because. When I got out of the military, when I was in the military, I used to buy all of the books kind of kind of that lent themselves more towards psychology, trying to figure yourself out. And I think as I look back. Self-help. Yeah. Yeah. The self-help because that era, the 70s, 80s, that was kind of the self-help PMA, you know, stay positive. I was raised in a very negative environment. Yeah. Kind of kill, uh, children kind of with the old adage, uh, children should be seen but not heard. Uh, and I still probably got a few scars on my head from the uh, class ring that thumped me every once in a while and, you know, some of the other uh, crazy things. That dad started. or mom, both? Uh, dad, mostly. Yeah. Mom, punishment was uh, leveled with whatever she could get in their hand at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Airbrushes, yeah. Yeah. whatever else. And I, I you know, I... To be fair, I was probably uh, yeah. You might have had it coming. <laughs> probably had something coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the thing that I appreciate about Christianity is once you get away from home. Yeah. Uh, because the problem is, is when you're in an environment like that, you really don't. You have nothing else to to determine it by, and so you kind of learn to cope and you learn to to get along in it. And so it's been a journey for me. Because obviously you have patterns in your mind uh, that you've learned. But the thing that I have discovered that's probably the most important is I am not a victim. But that's what the world, I notice, tries so hard to get you to believe is that you are a victim and you need somebody else's help. So what I've discovered is that, first of all, I'm not a victim. If I'm a Christian, I am not a victim. Um, And the other thing that's so important is that I am more than an overcomer. And that's what I keep my eye on all the time is uh, there's there's been a couple things that have been important to me. The first one was from uh, Rick Warren's book when he said, it's not about, he made the statement in the book, it's not about you. I'll tell you what, that was, I don't know about you, but God kind of gets those darts that stick in your head and the harder you pull, you just can't seem to get them out or get away from them. Well, that was one for me because, it, you know, my life was all about survival. You know, how do you take care of number one? And when I read that, I got to pondering it, thinking about Christianity, because really it's not about me. It's about everything and God's creation and what he's created. So that made it was a big change for me. Another one um, that has been had impact uh, is a statement from Mother Teresa. Uh, She said, God did not call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. Ooh, try that one on. And just to interject right there, kind of one of those areas that you've, you you shared with me a few, probably a couple years ago, uh, you helped me realize, you know, in cells, oftentimes we're, and you probably say it better, but you're in the performance world. And how do you remove yourself from that? What was that? Walk me through that real quick, because 
I think that's where you've challenged me mostly is removing myself from performance. And well, if you look at our society, it's all about performance. You know, it's all about looking good, buying the latest hair product, but, uh, having the latest this and that, and it's a trap. It's a trap. It took me a while to recognize it. But again, in Christianity, it's not about performance. The performance has already been accomplished on the cross. Mm. So all you're doing is you are walking in the finished, you have been invited in to walk in the finished work that already has been accomplished. I am still learning that because there is so much more about that. And the reason is, is because of our selfishness and our will to survive, uh, we don't realize that sometimes we have bought into the, to the wrong thing. And so one of the things that I discovered was, and the Lord challenged me on it, was it's not, it's, first of all, there's a, there's a scripture that you run across a lot when you're going through the Bible. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when I really thought about that, I thought, you know, that's, that's it. It's all his. Uh, you know, I'm here as, as a creation of his, and that's the other thing that I have to keep in mind for myself, is that he is in the process of creating. And so my job is to understand what the Father, through the Son, by the work of the Holy Spirit, is doing. And that helps me understand that even in my decision-making, when someone comes to me and says, hey, Terry, uh, by the way, the Lord put you on my mind. I'm getting ready to get out of my prison ministry, and uh, gee, voila, I think you're the guy. Well, I've had those things happen through the years, and obviously uh, one of the things I've discovered is the Lord speaks to you and gets you prepared long before that person ever comes along. But uh, it's a trick of the enemy sometimes to get you so busy with mm -hmm. all of these things that you don't recognize that you're not really very successful in anything. And so that's something I've had to, had to guard also because with the discipline and with getting things done, that's one of the things that I look at is, um, you know, the, when I left the Army, I realized I joined a bigger one. When you think about the Army of God, he has all sorts of different positions in that army, and he is moving in a direction. You know, I don't know. A lot of times I don't think we understand Jesus as the king, but he is the king of a kingdom, and he's building that kingdom right now. And in the Bible, it says that right now we are in the day of the Gentiles. When the day of the Gentiles, that last Gentile comes into the fold, from my understanding, there's going to be some very interesting things that happen in the world. And so I have to remember that I'm a part of that army, I'm part of the task, and I'm part of the accomplishment of something that started way before I ever came along. I'm just a, fortunate to be a part of that. And that's how I view my walk with the Lord and my Christianity, mm -hmm. is I am a part of what He has created. My job is to, as a leader— and not a self-appointed leader, because that's the other thing I've had to really challenge myself with, uh, because there's a lot of things people will come to me and say, hey, you know, it'd be nice if you would do this, this, and these other things. Uh, but I've had to really stop and ask myself, am I stealing somebody else's blessing? Mm. Because in some cases, yeah, I, and I think everybody knows that, you know, in the church, there's usually about 10% that do 90% of what gets done. Everybody else is kind of waiting around for heaven. And so I've had to really. 
It might even be less than that too. <laughs> for being really, huh? but that's my own conviction too. Yeah. You know, what am I doing? Yeah. So one of the things that I I do is I am trying to figure out how to make things work, not trying to figure out how to get out of them. And so uh, that's my first thought whenever a uh, spiritual challenge comes or a challenge in the church for something to that needs to be done is I'm trying to figure out how to get it done. Uh, but again, even in that, we have to be careful as Christians because we can be the enemy is pretty clever about how he gets us involved in different things. And so I've had to ask myself, and I've had to just kind of stop and and uh, ponder it and consider it because the one thing that I have noticed about God is if that's a direction he wants you to go, he's already started to prepare you for it somewhere. So how I know that is sometimes, you know, like when we're in some of the mundane tasks that we do, like raking leaves or, you know, one of those household things that uh, – you know, you can kind of divorce your mind from because it's just one of those mundane things. It's amazing some of the thoughts that I get. And I have to ask myself, where did that come from? Hmm. And that's where that's the, question. the Spirit of the Lord begins to prepare us. When I was in the military, we used to have what was called the warning order. And basically what the warning order was is uh, it was just a very short uh, message to you, what the enemy strength was where their position was, what the weather was, what their uh, strength was, and get ready. And so I've kind of l observed that in my Christian walk because that's what I see what God does is he is preparing us all the time. One of the things I discovered about God is he develops in us character mm -hmm. before career and maturity before ministry. So knowing that, then I have to ask myself, uh, where am I at in this process? And that's how I view challenges. You know, when challenges come, when I was a fir first became a Christian, it was always, why me and whining and, oh, you know, why do I have to go through this? And, and the Lord really had to get my attention and help me to understand that the challenges were there to help me understand where I was at. He already knew where I was at. But it's all part of the process of a parent helping uh, to strengthen the child. Yeah. And I can remember uh, kind of where I learned that lesson is uh, I took my son fishing and uh, we had to wade across the, the stream and it was a little bit of a current. And my son was very afraid. And so I tried to help but also kind of maintain a hands-off because, you know, there's a certain – there's a certain place where you know that somebody can do it. They have the, all of the mm -hmm. faculties and facilities and everything else. So I had to really bite my tongue and say, well, just, you know, don't, don't jump in and help here. And what was so amazing is I remember when he got through that current and got to the other side, it was like a different person. I could just see his countenance change and everything else. It was like, hey, I got this. <laughs> I love that. And I've had to kind of think about that also, uh, especially working with foster kids, working with, with kids. And that's another thing that I, you know, I'm a Sunday school teacher. If I could just spend all day uh, teaching adults, I'd be a happy camper. Yeah. But for some reason, God kind of led me into this other. And I think looking, examining it and looking at it, thinking about it, sometimes what God does is he prepares you through those things just like he did Joseph. You know, you look at what Joseph had to go through. 
his trials and tribulations. And I went through some of those trials and tribulations growing up. And I think that is the reason that, you know, uh, different circumstances, situations, I very easily could have been a foster kid way back, uh, kind of examining family history and some of the things that went on. So I realized that, you know, it's again, it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do and how he wants to go about it. And that's what I've had to constantly tune into that and recognize is it really is all about what he wants to accomplish. Yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, you and I are in a Bible study. We, we do it every, we, we meet every Wednesday and we ebb and flow, you know, but uh, recently you had the opportunity to be a part of YWAM's uh, some class. It was like three months long. And I think sometimes me, I, I'm going to try to do all things, you know, the devil can keep you really busy. That's one of the, the challenges is like, I say yes to too many things. You have the discipline so, hey, guys, uh, and you said this, I remember you're like, hey, I'm going to check out for like, I don't know, I think it's three months. I'm like, oh, and it wasn't you were quitting Bible study. You were just doing a different type of ministry, but you had the wherewithal to to pray, to prepare, and ponder this whole idea of, I can't do everything always, but you you gave up Bible study for a period of time, and you did this YWAM uh, ministry. I'd like to hear more about that and just really your thoughts behind that given up for a period of time. Now you're back to Bible study. That's cool. And it's like you were never gone. But at the moment, making that decision to say no to something so you can say yes instead of saying yes to everything. Because that's that's the, the disease that many people are plagued with is yes, 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 yes. And when you say yes to something, you're actually saying no to something else. Talk about that. The uh course that I went through was called an outward apologetic uh, school. And uh, normally, uh, YWAM is a pretty big organization. It actually, ha- this school happens all over the world uh, at different times. Uh, we, I, the reason that I got involved in it is because uh, as a mentor, we need to sharpen our sword mm-hmm. in how to share the gospel. And so we run across all sorts of people out there on the streets. I mean, there are all sorts of different belief systems. Uh, you've got all sorts of different ideas about uh, who God is in those things. And so the apologetic school helped me to really put uh, sharpen, on, sharpen my sword because the, the amazing thing about YWAM is they get people from all over the world that come in for a week to teach these classes. And so we had a different teacher each week. We had a lady from South Africa that was absolutely amazing that talked about uh, some interesting things. We had a uh, kind of a Skype thing with uh, a gentleman from Toronto, Canada for a week. We had a couple from Hawaii that came, uh, South Africa. So the knowledge and the the people that were there were just top-notch. And I mean, the training was excellent. Uh, I didn't realize there was going to be three hours worth of homework <laughs> <laughs> after the class. after mm-hmm. each eight hour day, uh, and the test came at the end of the week uh, very quickly. So I had to kind of hone some old skills that I hadn't used for a while. But the reason that I did that is because I recognized that I can't ask someone to go do something that I haven't done myself, and so. For me, I began to realize that uh, you can't go wrong learning more about how to share our faith. Mm -mm. And that's always been on my heart. Even in accepting 
some board positions. I was a little concerned because I didn't feel that I was doing those things. And my read on the church is that it's our responsibility to go into the world to share the good news. And so being on in church leadership, uh, my thinking was our job is to create ministries for people to go and do that with the gifts that God has given them. And so that's always been, you know, part of me is I evaluate people and watching people to determine what their gift is and where does that fit Mm -hmm. in the ministries that I'm aware of. And so I'm constantly looking at those things. Even when I'm in a a men's Bible study, I'm looking at the gifts that are there Mm -hmm. and determining um, where does this person fit most and where can can they make the most bang for their buck. Yeah. So um, that was one of the reasons that I took that school or went through that school. Yeah. Uh, it was a challenge. And also during that time, the last week of the school, I went back to Nebraska uh, because I'm also the co-director of a mentoring program for foster kids. And so I wasn't even able to graduate with the with the class because I was already involved in the next phase of what was, was happening for me. So mentoring is another big part of, uh, I've noticed, uh, of what I do. Yeah. And I think, again, uh, God takes the wisdom and the knowledge that he gives you, and he knows exactly where to plug it in. We've talked about that in our Wednesday morning Bible studies. Yeah. Uh, you know, God brings some very interesting people into your life, people who have some characteristic or something that you need to learn. And it's as a father, uh, I think God knows where he's going with what he's doing with each one of us and he knows where his resources are at and who to bring into your life Mm -hmm. so that you can get a chance to see and model uh that characteristic we have to remember that in genesis 1 26 27 28 we were created in his image and so he shares his characteristics he shares his strengths and things with us and if we understand that then we begin to realize why there has to be a judgment because he has shared that with everyone and the other thing is is he shares the best part with us so that we can go and and share with others and the whole purpose of it is obviously to bring glory to him in his creation Hmm. Well, this is good, man. You've you've lived a good life. I mean, it hasn't been perfect, um, and God's taking you a long ways in different areas of the world. And and here you are. We're in Salem, Oregon, and uh, you're still doing ministry. You've been doing it for a long time, which is really awesome. What are maybe a, a favorite Bible verse? What are some lessons? Maybe something that we haven't hit yet that you can leave some of our audience with. Um, did you, and do you have a favorite Bible verse? I mean, maybe there's many, but is there one that you? Well, I have three, on? three that are kind of my life verses. One of them is when I was going through Bible school. Uh, in First uh, Corinthians, Paul talks about um, about conversing with people, and he said, "I didn't come to you with uh, uh, eloquence of speech, but I came to you in humility, uh, in weakness." And the statement that he made, I have to really think about, so that your faith will not rest upon the wisdom of man, Mm. but upon the power of God. And that is one thing that I've always looked at, kept in mind, is the power doesn't come from us. It's not generated from us. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, that fruit is developed 
from the vine through the branches, which we are a part of, and the fruit comes because we are allowing uh, all that is fed, given to us, fed to us through the Word of God to bring about that fruit. And so that was one of the verses that I looked at. The other one that I was always challenged by was when Paul used the analogy of the body of Christ. And I that always kind of stuck in my head, okay, how does how do we and back to the leadership thing, how do we bring the whole body of Christ together so that we all realize that we're a part of something way bigger than ourselves? And how do we integrate our gift into all the other gifts. And so that's one of the things that I loved about the foster care camps because there were a number of different thing, people that were needed. We needed, uh, first of all, counselors. We needed behavior specialists. We needed somebody to prepare the food. We needed somebody to do the crafts. We needed someone to do the fishing. Uh, we needed someone, I mean, just all, this multitude of different uh, things, someone to teach the Bible lesson. And so, my first uh, Teen Reach Adventure camp that I went to, I was I was amazed because first of all, uh, the first one you don't really know how things work, but I was absolutely amazed at how smoothly everything worked with all of the players that were involved in that. And so that's the second uh, verse that is always kind of uh, those two are still uh, a big part of my life mm -hmm. and seeing them played out uh, in real life every day. And then the other one you've heard a thousand times is about anxiety, because in our society, um, there is a lot of the enemy's greatest trick is fear. And the whole purpose of it is to produce one of three results, which fear does either fight, flight or freeze. And so when I talk with Christians, that's one of the questions that I'll ask them is, do you have anxiety in your life? Because the definition of anxiety is being caught between two opinions. Jesus said, those who are mine uh, will hear my voice and follow no other. And now this scripture comes from uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4 and going through. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Uh, let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then this is the part that for me has been very, very beneficial because back to the performance thing and the other things, usually where you get the butterflies and you get the, oh my, you know, you're measuring yourself against the task and you're seeing that you may not be adequate um, is when you're looking at that. And that's what creates the anxiety. And what's happening is, is it's now you're, it's not about, you know, you got to get back to, it's not about you. And also the fact that it's God that's forming and shaping and making you. So if you're feeling anxiety, chances are the enemy knows what God created you for. And the reason you're feeling that anxiety is because he doesn't want you to have the fullness of that gift. And so for me, I very slowly go through the other part of that verse, which is be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And who should be the most thankful people on the face of the Us. earth? <laughs> Amen. Right here. Yeah. Let your requests be made known to God. And the here's the key to the whole thing. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, and I love this peace, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mm. So, I always play this trick on everybody. Yeah. 
buddy, do you uh, do you play the piano? Uh, no, I don't. You don't? Uh-uh. Hmm, interesting. Now, buddy, what did I just do? You asked me a question. Yeah. To do what? To respond? To change the subject. Because anxiety is being caught between two opinions, so obviously I'm entertaining another voice. So I'm going to have to listen to either one or the other. Mm. And so for me, that's why that verse is so important, because it changes the subject. When I start to get the butterflies that immediately tells me that there's another voice that's trying to interject and trying to get me off course and that's again where does anxiety lead you to fear 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 that you can't do something and that's why performance is such a trap is because performance it's all about you being the world-class athlete doing something to be proud of yourself in christianity it's not about that all the performance enhancing everything mm -hmm. comes from god and so when we begin to realize that, we recognize. And so those three verses are really yeah. the verses that uh, they're important to me. Yeah. Well, Terry, this has been phenomenal. And I, I'll bet we do another podcast with you and I down the road. Uh, God's doing a lot of work in your life. Hey, if somebody wanted to, you know, learn more about Terry, get involved in ministry, mentorship, YWAM, how would somebody get a hold of you? Would they email you, call you, Facebook you? Uh, I'm not much of a Facebook fan, but email and uh, uh, texting, What's calling your, is fine. You want to give your email or your phone number? Which one's best? Uh, email is probably best. Uh, it's just uh, first name is T-E-R-R-Y dot M-A-R-K-E-Y at CenturyLink dot net. Okay. That's the, that's the best one. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So if somebody wants to just reach out and learn more about you. Well, hey, this has been great. Uh, we're going to continue our Bible study for as long the Lord, as long as the Lord allows us, and uh, keep doing His His will. So, well, thanks for sharing today. Thanks for sharing your heart, your mind. Uh, again, I know there's things that we didn't talk about, but there'll be part two of this at some point down the road, Lord willing. So, thanks, Terry. Uh, thank you, all the listeners out there each week who uh, you know take time to listen to the stories. You know, we pray that this impacts you positively and changes your your heart uh, to God. Really, that's what we want. So keep listening. And again, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much.